Good evening and welcome to the NBA Draft. The Chicago Bulls pick Michael Jordan. The Chicago Bulls select Derrick Rose. The Chicago Bulls draft Joakim Noah. The Chicago Bulls select Jimmy Butler. Rick Camp on 670 The Score, Chicago's sports station. Welcome into The Score, broadcasting live from The Score Hyundai Studio, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. I am Rick Camp. Back on The Score airwaves in a non-Bulls post-game fashion. It's, it's nice. It's been a minute. It's nice to get to do this again. Be with you here from uh, now until 10 o'clock-ish. Depending on where the Bulls are, where the draft is, how close they are to the Bulls' 38th pick, the 8th pick of the second round, make it a little bit of overtime. We're going to see how it goes. And gee, is there anything going on tonight in the world of sports and just in Chicago in general? Obviously, at some point tonight, everything is so fluid on the north side of Chicago right now that at some point tonight, we are going to talk to score baseball insider Bruce Levine about Anthony Rizzo becoming a New York Yankee. Cubs get two prospects in return, but in the interim, Obviously, before that happened, we had a whole show planned. So for the time being, we're really going to proceed with a lot of that, too. 312-644-6767 is the number to call and to text because we're going to spend a lot of this night talking about what you want the Bulls to do in this offseason when it comes to free agency, which, by the way, the legal tampering period starts on Monday. The thing with a compressed offseason is you have – the draft quick, you have free agency quick. So just when you think the season is over, exhale after the NBA finals, life comes at you quick. So that's what we're doing here tonight. What do you want to see the Bulls do? How can they improve without a first-round pick? Getting Nikola Vucevic really seemed to be something a lot of people were here for. Now's where you have to first instance of having to deal with some of the consequence of it, of not having that eighth pick. That eighth pick goes to Orlando. So the Bulls have to be creative in what they can do. Also, just what can the Bulls do with that eighth pick, the 38th pick? And we're going to keep an eye on the NBA draft, give you updates on picks. We'll try and take some of these picks live as well. And any cascading effects that happen that can affect the Bulls. We've already had some of them in terms of deals that have been made already. 312-644-6767 is the number. So in the show, next segment, we're going to talk to Chuck Swirsky because it just seems right. It's draft night. We're talking Bulls. It makes sense to have the Bulls play-by-play voice on on 670 The Score. So we'll talk to Chuck, see how his offseason's been going. It's been a minute since we've heard from Chuck and about what he thinks about this team and what the Bulls can do in this offseason to improve to try and get into the playoffs. Also, we'll speak with Score Bulls reporter Cody Westerland at 820 to be able to go over what he thinks the Bulls should do, what he thinks the Bulls will do, and anything he's heard about what they could be doing. And obviously, we'll get to it in a second. Some news coming out recently that the Bulls could be a player for Kemba Walker. And then at 9 o'clock, Ricky O'Donnell, who does NBA Draft for SB Nation. Fantastic follow on Twitter at SBN underscore Ricky. He'll join us at 9 to go over what's happened in the draft, 
what he thinks the Bulls should do this offseason. And since we'll be closer to that 38th pick, who he would like to see the Bulls target if they do not move up. If you've been keeping an eye on social media, for one thing, good luck keeping up with all of it. But Joe Colley of the Sun-Times has mentioned the Bulls could be looking to trade into the back end of the first round. After a deal earlier today, the Nets have two first-round picks. They could be a logical target for the Bulls to try and get up for whoever it is. Because as we'll start to look at, the Bulls can go a lot of different directions with this 38th pick. There's the obvious point guard position, which they won't be able to get a starting level guy, especially for this upcoming season at 38. Could they maybe get a backup point guard, which could allow the Bulls to be a little more flexible in the backcourt with Kobe White whenever he's able to come back from in, from his injury? Could they maybe get a backup big? Because obviously you saw Daniel Gafford go out. There's no, no, it's no sure thing that Daniel Tice will be back. There's some, one of the trades also kind of affects his market. That's already happened today. And we'll go over those trades in a second. So there's a lot of things the Bulls could do. And then obviously they just need wings. They need anybody that can be a wing. And I'm not saying anybody. I mean, any like physical body to be a wing for them. Because they just need some size on the wing so that maybe Patrick Williams doesn't have to guard every single best player on every single possession. So there's a lot of ways the Bulls can go tonight in terms of that pick, in terms of maybe the trade market. So what do you want to see the Bulls do? 312-644-6767. And obviously we'll be talking about Anthony Rizzo becoming a Yankee with Bruce Levine a little bit later and throughout the show. Uh, real quick, someone just ke- chimed in. No, not Kemba. Please, no, 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 no. <laughs> well, I mean, here's the thing with Kemba Walker. And for where this rumor came from, it's been kind of talked about as a possible option because from the moment Kemba Walker got traded from Boston to OKC, clearly Oklahoma City is in a rebuild. So a point guard in his early 30s, doesn't necessarily make a whole lot of sense for a team that's not necessarily trying to win. So Chris Mannix of SI, who's been a national NBA reporter for them for a long time, mentioned about a half hour ago that OKC's looking for a deal tonight for Kemba Walker. And then the OKC Thunder reporter for SI and Forbes, Nick Crane, said he tweeted probably about 15 minutes ago, keep an eye on the Bulls for Kemba. Nothing about that being a sure thing to happen tonight. But that could be an option for the Bulls to get what should be a starting level point guard. Now, the thing with Kemba Walker, obviously, since he got to Boston from Charlotte, he's had the knee problems, which were known when he got there, but they really started to flare up, didn't play a whole lot. And the thing is, too, with him, just even healthy or not, He's a tough guy to have defensively because while he's really good in pick and roll when he's healthy, he's really small and a guy that defenses can easily pick on. So if your starting backcourt would be Kemba Walker and Zach Levine, you're going to have a lot of the same issues that you had last season defensively with your point of attack defense when Kobe White was starting. So that there's a lot of iffiness to go there. And honestly, if the Bulls were to trade for Kemba Walker, it would be because Oklahoma City is attaching a minimum of one first-round pick to him. Kemba Walker has two years, 
73 million left on that deal. 73 million over two years. So you're getting a guy that that would be really small, maybe six feet tall, has had knee injuries. You can't really rely on him to play too many games and a big boy contract. That's what you'd be acquiring. However, since Oklahoma City going into tonight literally has 36 draft picks over the next six years, there's plenty of opportunity for them to give up a couple first-round picks to get off Kemba Walker's money. Maybe I'm a little surprised that you know they would take him in just to then ship him out and send more picks out when they got a pick for getting him. That's It's a little odd, but that's kind of where they're at. So that's where Kemba Walker stands. Now let's go over deals that have already happened today as Cade Cunningham has just become a Detroit Piston. As everybody expected, the first overall pick is in. I mean, Cade Cunningham is a star. So once we go over these trades, we'll go over a little bit of Cade Cunningham and some of the guys at the top of this draft as they're getting underway, 10 minutes per pick. This isn't the NFL where it's like 15 minutes and everything's getting dragged out. It's 10 in the NBA in the NBA draft. And I should mention, on the other side of the glass, you heard from him before, Sean Anderson. Sean's going to be helping me with keeping up with all the deals that end up happening tonight because it sure feels like, like in most drafts, especially once you get to the middle of the first round, there's going to be a lot of deals that happen. And we'll try and break down not just what they mean for the teams involved, but what they could mean for the Bulls as well. Well, and it could sloppy with insiders because Woj is already announcing that Jalen Green is expected to be picked at two for the Rockets. So we're already getting some leaks of the, the picks to come. Yeah, and, and that's not surprising because earlier today, the top three picks were all taken off the board at all the sports books. So I work my my Monday through Friday is I run the board for You Better You Bet on that QL. So we really focus on that angle of it. So when you see odds move that sharply, especially after earlier in the day, Woj did the basically telling you the three top three picks without technically saying it, those all got taken off the board. So the first real bit of intrigue, some would say is four with Toronto. Some would say is six with Oklahoma City. So unless Oklahoma City comes in with some sort of godfather offer to Cleveland to try and get Evan Mobley, which they obviously could do, remember, 36 picks in the next six drafts, it sure looks like it's going to be one, two, three, Cunningham, Cunningham, Green, Mobley. So that's where we're at with those. So of the deals that got finished today, obviously the big one that technically not done yet, but sure looks like it's going to happen, the Lakers trading for Russell Westbrook, giving up Montrez Harrell, who opted into his contract to help make this happen, Kyle Kuzma, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, and the 22nd pick. I've got a lot of thoughts on this one. We'll get back to it. I just want to run down all the trades that have happened already. Really a much smaller deal that happened earlier. Landry Shamit, who was rumored to be on the way out of Brooklyn, is going to Phoenix. Javon Carter, you may remember him from West Virginia. He's been a backup point guard in Phoenix. Him and the 29th pick go to Brooklyn. Brooklyn's got a lot of salary cap concerns, so they need to try and get some cheaper talent to fill out their rotation. 
The Cleveland Cavaliers got Ricky Rubio a 2022 second and some cash from the Minnesota Timberwolves for Torian Prince. And the Detroit Pistons got the 37th pick from Charlotte for Mason Plumley and the number 57 pick. All right, so three of those, some of you are probably like, really, who cares? There's a little bit of reason to care about them. Obviously, Russell Westbrook, some people look at the name and are like, man, that is that is a huge big three. What is, you know, like how are you going to stop that team? And my guy Chris Herring from SI, I think he put it best when he said the Lakers spacing is essentially going to be like a shoebox. Because you have Anthony Davis, who can shoot threes but doesn't really like to. He likes to work in the mid-post area. You have Russell Westbrook, who obviously does not shoot three well threes well. You have LeBron, who can shoot, but obviously he's better when he's able to drive. So when those are your big three and you're gutting out a lot of your depth, I think it's a really questionable move. And now that they move their first-round pick, too, how are they going to replace some of those guys? They'll get some ring chasers that are a little bit older, but in terms of young talent, the Lakers need at least a little bit of it. 312-644-6767's numbers. I'm Rick Camp here with you until 10 o'clock-ish. In the next segment, we're going to talk with Chuck Swirsky, but also a reminder, Anthony Rizzo is a Yankee. Bruce Levine will come on when he's able to because there's a lot of fluid things happening on the north side in terms of availability. So when Bruce is able, we will talk to him about Anthony Rizzo. But Chuck Swirsky is ne- is coming up next on 670, the score. Here's Levine, gets around Bruce. Welcome back to 670 The Score. I'm Rick Camp here with you until around 10 o'clock, depending on where the draft is at the time, how close we are to the Bulls pick. A couple of updates here. Second and third picks are in, and as expected, Jalen Green from the G League Ignite, just an explosive scoring wing. He's going to Houston. And just picked was Evan Mobley, the center from USC, that is going to Cleveland. So you have two really high-end talents that the Bulls are going to see a whole lot in the coming years. I'm Rick Camp. We're here till about 10, 10 o'clock-ish. But it's time right now to go out to the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline. Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And welcome in the voice of the Bulls. Chuck Swirsky, you can follow him on Twitter at CTS Bulls. Chuck, how are you? Good, Rick. How are you doing? Doing well. I guess before we get to all the, the madness around the draft, and obviously there's stuff on the baseball side as well, how's your offseason been? Because, you know, it's just it's been a little bit with the Bulls season being over and the playoffs kind of feel like they took forever, as awesome as they were. So how have you been? Well, I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. I just got back from the West Coast where we saw a lot of family, so that was good. But, you know, honestly, Rick, as you know, I'm wired a little bit different than a lot of people. But once our uh, last game against the Bucks was consummated uh, back in mid-May, I started going to work the next day on the 21-22 season. So I've watched a lot of basketball. I've watched a lot of tape on these young kids, a number of them you just mentioned, of course. And so I'm ready to rock and roll, getting ready for preseason. Of course, the draft tonight, the free agency, summer league, and uh, I just love it. I really do. 
So we'll get to the Bulls in a second, but with with Green and Mobley, there was some talk about, and we can talk about it more in a vacuum because we're you know we're not the Rockets, we're not the Cavs. Did you have a preference out of Jalen Green or, or Evan Mobley, and, and what have you liked when you see when you watch both of them? Well, number one, Cunningham was going to go number one. We know that. I I, I think the world of his play. I've seen him uh, hours upon hours of tape. And so that was no surprise. And I think Houston, knowing Stephen Silas and knowing what type of coach he is and where they're going with this franchise, especially down the road, because John Wall, I think, is probably a Band-Aid for the next year or two with that hefty contract. But make no mistake about it. I mean, they're, they're counting on maybe Porter to mature, uh, but, but uh, Green is the real deal. And this guy is going to be a bona fide big-time scorer in this league for many, many years to come. Mobley, obviously, third pick in the draft. You know, Cleveland's got to make a major decision on what type of contract they give Jared Allen or whether or not they do a sign-and-trade with Jared Allen, whether they can play a guy like Mobley along with uh, Jared Allen. Those things will probably sort itself out, especially what they're going to do now with the situation you know, involving Colin Sexton. So I think Cleveland still has a lot going on right now in the offseason. And then you got uh, Toronto, and I I know Masai Ujiri, and I love Suggs. I'd be shocked if he wasn't taken. But let me tell you what, Scotty Barnes is moving up the food chain. And, uh, you know, to me, if he went to Toronto fourth, it wouldn't surprise me. I still think they're going to go with Suggs because they may lose Lowry. But um, I I really like what we're going to get out of Scotty Barnes and Davian Mitchell as well. I, I think Davian Mitchell is going to be a super player. And it's funny that you just said that about Toronto because Shams and Woj are tweeting, Toronto is selecting Scotty Barnes at number four. There you go. Well, I, 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 you know my feeling about Florida State players. I love them. And I love Leonard Hamilton. I love his approach. I love his tenacity. During the game, I love the fact he mentors these young kids and his recruiting process. He's got a great coaching staff, Rick, and I am a huge Scotty Barnes. I mean, I think this guy is going to be a terrific player, and it really doesn't surprise me the Raptors went this direction. Yeah, and it's interesting with Florida State, Just and obviously we went through all of learning about it if people aren't that big of college basketball guys with Patrick Williams last year of just – they like a lot of same size type of dudes and a lot of guys get a lot of playing time for them. So there's, you know, there's not that many guys that get, you know, more than let's say 30 minutes for them in a typical college game. So, and Scotty Barnes me a guy that big that can handle the way that he does and his, and his vision is really interesting. So for Toronto, and especially when you look at them having guys like Siakam, guys like OG Ananobi, he sure makes a lot of sense for them as a team that likes to be versatile and be able to do so many different things, especially on the defensive end. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the guy's got to have to work on his shot. There's no question about that. He really struggles shooting the basketball. Having said this, you know, I'm wondering if this is a precursor for a deal that Toronto could make because they've been in the situation, as you know, at least reportedly with Ben Simmons. And if that deal is in the works, you have to believe that Siakam is going to be in it or Ananobi, uh, one of the two, not both, 
certainly, but one of the two, and a bevy of, of draft picks. I don't know if probably Toronto wants to make that deal because where they're at, but I also know that Masai Ujiri uh, is not just satisfied to having won a title two years ago. I mean, this guy is this guy is so competitive in the front office uh, with uh, Bobby Webster, their GM. So I would think now the attention is with Orlando. And do they go for a point guard um, or do they go elsewhere with a wing? And so I, I think this is really the first big test that's going to face a front office with Orlando in a major rebuild, Rick. Yeah, it, Barnes almost made like too much sense for them because when you think about yes, it did. because you know you just think about the typical arp, archetype of you know John Hammond's not the man in charge, but he's definitely got a big voice in that organization. When you think about what he did in Milwaukee, getting all the big wingspan guys, what he's done in Orlando with the same thing. Scotty Barnes was a guy that made a, a lot of sense for that as well. But let's get to the Bulls here and just in the offseason in general, because for any of us to try and really guess the 38th pick seems pretty futile so, when there's, we're so far away from it. But in terms of just in general, types of players that you would love to see the Bulls get this offseason or target, do you have anything in mind that you know you want to make a top priority? Well, I, I mean, I, th- I think the Bulls, you know what, at this point, honestly, Rick, I think they're at a point where they just got to continue to add talent. And I mean, you know, you get to 38 and you're looking at, okay, who on the board is the best player available? And I know it sounds like a cliche and your listeners probably don't want to hear that, but the truth of the matter is it's true. And I mean, they, they've got to start thinking about a backup, you know, to Booch. They got to start looking at a wing. Obviously, everyone knows and it's well chronicled about the point guard situation. But I think at this point, uh, that may be addressed uh, in free agency. Maybe, maybe not. But, you know, the guy that he probably won't be there at 38, but I've seen a lot of tape of Thor uh, out of Auburn. And mm-hmm. this guy is off the charts. I mean, he's got the wingspan, he's got a skill set. He's got, he's very raw offensively, but, you know, with this coaching staff and developmental squad with the uh, Bulls and what they're doing, uh, I think he would be a natural. Do I think he's going to be at 38? Probably not. And so then you have to say to yourself, well, if that's the case, where do you go with this? And then they probably have maybe four or five guys that they're going to take a look at and go from there, whether it's going to be Bassey out of Western Kentucky whether they go for maybe McBride, the point guard out of West Virginia. There are certain programs I really, really like. And Florida State, as we just talked about with Scotty Barnes, is one of them. I love Mark View with Gonzaga. I think Gonzaga players coming into the draft are ready-made NBA players. And let's put the, you know, let's put the, 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 the cards on the table. When you're coached and you're well-coached in college, does that equate into an NBA you know, career, a lifespan of five to 10 years in league, not necessarily, but what happens, you come into the league and if you're well coached with a big time program and you hold players accountable, then they make a seamless transition into an NBA game where obviously you have to have a skill set, but you have to have a skill set to listen. And it's no longer, you're not the guy on campus. 
you're blending in. You're just a guy now. You may be the 13th pick, 23rd pick, 38th pick in the draft, but when you come to training camp, if you're the coach, you really don't care where you're drafted. You, you want to be coached up, and you want to accept your role. And I think right now with the Bulls, wherever they pick and whoever they pick at 38, maybe they move up, maybe you know they trade out. I don't know. But I do know what's expected out of this, this player coming into the Bulls from AK and Mark and Billy Donovan. Speaking with Chuck Swirsky, the voice of the Bulls here on 670, the score, the fourth and fifth pick. It's our, even though I don't believe it's been shown on the broadcast as of yet, uh, Jalen Suggs will go number five to Orlando for those keeping score at home. So, which obviously makes a ton of sense, even with all the athletic guards they already have. Uh, So, and Chuck, it was interesting. You mentioned JT Thorks. I remember I believe it was Sam Vecini of The Athletic that said this. It was either him or Chad Ford that mentioned Thor is a guy that if he had gone back to school would probably be a top 20 pick next year. And it's almost like one of those bets you make in the second round or late in the first round of take a guy, basically feel like you're taking a guy a year early. You're getting a little bit of value on him in the draft for doing that. And, you know, the good and the bad part of it for the Bulls is they could legitimately use kind of one of anything especially if you're thinking about being a backup to start this year. So it's kind of why this 38th pick is so interesting because kind of regardless of how they structure their offseason in terms of free agency, whether they bring a lot of guys back and stay over the cap or if they try and open up space and, you know, as the rumors have had it, maybe bring in a a starting point guard that they can kind of, this 38th pick can be kind of independent of that and just like you mentioned, really go best available. Yeah. Well, see, I, this is this is how my brain works for all drafts. Let's, for example, let's say I'm I'm a an NBA executive and I've got three point guards, one A, two B, and a a three A. In other words, is in terms of level of skill set. And let's say on the board, the best player is still a point guard. I take him. If I'm an NFL GM on draft night and I've got three really good offensive linemen and the best player in that position to draft is an offensive lineman, I take him. And then I worry about the rest later. Then you've got assets. And, and when you have assets, then you can make trades. And so I think with the Bulls right now, they're collecting assets. People have to understand that this is a new organization in terms of a front office and a coaching staff, and they're in the business right now trying to turn this around, but also collecting assets. And um, that's why at 38, I I do think they probably have targeted a couple, three guys right now that they feel will fall to 38. And if one is gone or two are gone, then they're going to take that third. Now, if two of the three are still available and they're close in skill set and the Bulls need – a wing or a backup, then they're going to have that discussion and say, okay, you know what? There is no really significant gap between these two players. We need this. And so we're going that direction. And that's what most teams do. I mean, you know, this is, this is an area Rick, right now. And you saw the bulls play all 72 games and no basketball as well as anyone in the market. I mean, th- this team still needs talent and they're the first to admit that. And so, uh, I'm I'm up for it. I mean, the, you know, the kid that uh, they picked last year in the second round, uh, Simonovic, 
I think, you know, they're they're very high on him, obviously. He's been working out with the ball club. They haven't announced the official signing, but one has to assume he'll probably be in a Bulls uniform. And, you know, they're not going to rush anyone just to say, we've got a roster spot. If they didn't feel he was ready, he he won't be in a Bulls uniform in 21-22. If they do think he's ready, trust me, he, he's going to be here. Chuck, it's a pleasure to get to talk to you as always, and especially get to talk some basketball with you. And hopefully we'll get to do it again as the off season progresses. And hey, then we get to just another season of Bulls basketball. I'm I'm already ready for it. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Rick, give me twelve seconds. I just want to acknowledge sure. Anthony Rizzo. Wish him all the best, Riz and his family. I've never met him. I don't know him, but as a John Doe fan who you know watched the Cubs and just love what he did off the field, on the field, how he represented Chicago and helping all these young kids and their families going through very, very difficult challenges with cancer as he could relate to them in his own way. I just want to wish him good health and Godspeed and all the best. That's it. Enjoy your show, Rick. Thank you. That is Chuck Swirsky. Seriously, like one of the best people out there, and it's always a blast to get to talk to Chuck. And he mentioned Anthony Rizzo at the end there. Coming up next, Bruce Levine had the opportunity to speak with Anthony Rizzo. And Bruce, you know, pretty much was like, hey, there's no better way to talk about Rizzo than to just play this. So, you know what we're going to do next? We're going to play it. Logic would dictate we should play it. A little bit later, going to hear from Cody Westerland at 820. Ricky O'Donnell at nine. I've got a couple cuts of audio from podcasts that I've listened to recently that I think are really interesting centered around Patrick Williams and also centered around the pressure around the Bulls to win. But coming up next, like I mentioned, Bruce Levine sat down with Anthony Rizzo as he's headed to New York, become a member of the Yankees for the rest of the season. We'll get to that next here on 670 The Score. A little bouncer slowly toward Bryant. He will glove it and throw to Rizzo. It's in time. And the Chicago Cubs win the World Series. Hey, Anthony, remember that? That was awesome. <laughs> Welcome back to 670 The Score. Emmer Camp here with you until, you know, 10-ish. We'll see how the how the NBA draft falls in terms of uh, when we hit 10 o'clock, how close are we to the Bulls pick? Might stay a little bit extra if we're close. So, obviously, Cubs winning the World Series coming back because, hey, even though this is a Bulls draft show, when one of the pillars of the Cubs of their World Series winning team, you know, pillar of the franchise for 10 years gets traded, should probably talk about it a little. Kind of a big deal, even if it isn't something that was expected in in the, you know, most recent coming days. Now, we mentioned before maybe Bruce Levine will come on when, you know, things settle down. Well, in the settling down process, he got to have a conversation with Anthony Rizzo. So Bruce was like, yeah, why don't we just play this? And I'm like, yes, that's a great idea. So let's hear Anthony Rizzo's last conversation uh, as a Chicago Cub here with Bruce Levine. Well, uh, an end of an era, Riz. You know, as a close friend of yours, this is a, this is a hard day for both of us. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely closing to a chapter in life that you just didn't think was going to close and but the best years of my life and getting to know you and all the other members of the media I saw solely him being here forever too think of Carrie uh, 
just just some really good memories. It's all good memories and a lot of special things happen. I can't I can't start this interview before I talk about your parents, your wife, and, and Kevin, and how important uh, they've been Chicagoans and people. Just give me a couple seconds on, you know, them being Chicagoans, uh, Floridians, but Chicagoans as well. Yeah, they just, we all had an amazing journey here, um, you know, with the foundation and my parents getting to meet a lot of incredible people and then meeting Emily in 2016 and getting married to her and winning the World Series and her and I building our life here. So we have so many friends here out away from baseball that we met along the way and so many memories that, you know, this is this will always be like a second home to me and uh, that doesn't change just because, you know, I'm going to play for another team and going to play for the New York Yankees, which just sounds really – I don't think that's kicked in yet, but – um, just the special times here will will be. I know for sure Emily and I'll be sitting in the back probably as soon as tomorrow because we're going home and I'm staying in my house. But just reflecting on all the memories and it'll, it'll always bring smiles to my face. So if I say top Chicago Cub memory while you were sitting out reflecting on your career outside at Wrigley Field near the Ivy, what what's the first thing that comes to mind? Um, I think. The World Series, obviously, um, those memories with those guys. But Lurie's Children's Hospital um, Foundation, all the kids we've had out at Wrigley, um, just all the the fans, the people in Chicago buying you a beer, drinking a beer with them, yeah. uh, all the memories on the field, but. The two are definitely the World Series run, and then just all the all the good that the foundation has done here. I think uh, I'll remember you catching that ball from Chris more than anything else. But maybe what you just said, the first thing that comes to my mind is you making a a, a kid who's uh, maybe having some tough times smile. Yeah, and, and even even today, not playing today was tough. Um, but you know, a lot of people. We're excited for this day to come and just watch a game, and they probably had it on their calendar for months coming to this game in specifics. So and not being able to play is tough. And, and but that's it. That's what it's all about: just being a good, good person and trying to play the game the right way and uplifting people. So I'm going to take people back to two days ago. I get in touch with you, and I say, "Look, if you want to know or you don't want to know." Um, I'm pretty sure that the Yankees are on you, and uh, they've asked me a lot of questions about you. And he said, you said, I don't want to go, but. <laughs> um, being able to play for another historic franchise, is, it's, it's really, it's, you couldn't ask for more. I mean, obviously, I'd, I'd want to be here and told the guys I'd, I'd rather, you know, sink with the ship. Um, you know, if it's going to burn down, I want to burn down with it. But, you know, talking to Jed, we had a good with good talk, emotional. And uh, I love these guys. I love everyone here, you know, from the top to the bottom. And they've been nothing but good to me. And But to be able to go play for the Yankees now and jump into a really exciting team. I, I mean, I grew up always watching the Yankees. So it'll be it's exciting. And it's exciting. They're, they're excited. And I'm I can't wait to just jump in there and 
go be a baseball player. Hopefully you'll uh, go there and help them win and then jump right back to the Chicago Cubs. On behalf of uh, Mitch Rosen, who runs the score, and everybody at the station, I just want to thank you for all the great cooperation and just being the friend to Chicago and the people of Chicago and the, and the great kids and the sick kids, all those people. Um, thank you so much. Thanks, Bruce. I appreciate it, and I, we'll be in touch. That's for sure. Okay. Thank you. That is former Cub and current New York Yankee, Anthony Rizzo, with the scores, Bruce Levine. And it is weird to think about him getting messages on the text line at 312-644-6767. And on Twitter at Rixie Camp is where you can follow me. People listening to this and being like, yeah, I'm hearing this. I've seen the reports. I know it's done, but it doesn't quite feel real yet. Maybe it won't until you see Anthony Rizzo in the Yankee pinstripes and he's just bombing one out to right field because it was odd. And the reason that the Yankees were looking at Rizzo is they had a power lineup, but obviously Yankee stadium is structured for left-handed hitters, left-handed power hitters rake in Yankee stadium. And they didn't really have any. That's why they traded for Joey Gallo. And that's why they traded for Anthony Rizzo. And the Yankees are currently three games out of the wild card. So even though they're not there yet, they definitely have plenty of room to be able to get there. The second wild card spot is currently handled or held by the A's. And if you know anything about baseball history, uh, if it involves the playoffs and the A's and the Yankees, the Yankees are going to win that. Just just in general. The next time the, the A's beat the Yankees will feel like the first time, or at least the first time in forever. So 312-644-6767, text in, call in, you know, with your thoughts on Anthony Rizzo for the, at least the rest of this segment. At 820, we'll talk with Cody Westerland about the Bulls offseason. Obviously, at the top of the hour, we'll up. I'll give you an update on NBA draft. A couple more picks have come in. We're on the eighth pick currently at this point. But, you know, Anthony Rizzo, when you think about the identity of the Cubs, the most successful tenure of the Cubs in recent memory, anything close to recent memory, Rizzo's that dude. He was the guy that, like, everybody remembers the Andrew Kashner trade, and there were people that were like, eh, really? Andrew Kashner, though. And to Rizzo's credit, he came in, he was a leader, he produced, and, I mean, out the door, it's it also just kind of feels, it's the, you wish it wasn't happening, but also, it feels like it's been some form of this has been coming for a few years just with how the Cubs have been operating that even though we're here today, it's still just, it doesn't feel great because it's a franchise icon that's going out of town, but also just the fact of maybe this could have been avoided. Well, and I know Chafin and Tapero were traded before Rizzo, but it's also shocking too, that he's the first one to go from the core that Rizzo was the first one in and also the first one out. Cause it felt like he was going to be a cub for a life, you know, for, for, for a lifetime. And, Recently, too, the extensions were talked about Rizzo and Baez that the Cubs would reach out for him. So the fact that he's gone first is probably the most shocking thing to me. And I think Cubs fans should probably be happy with the return. You know, you get two top 10 or two top 15 prospects from the Yankees in return for Rizzo. But it still has to feel so bad as a Cub fan just because this guy is the guy who caught the final out for breaking the 108 year streak. Absolutely. And for those keeping score at home that have not heard yet. 
Two prospects from the Yankees, right-handed pitcher Alexander Vizcaino, who's a 24-year-old starter, and 19-year-old outfielder Kevin Alcantara, who's a big 6'6", 188-guy who actually, in reading up on him a little bit, his comp, at least like for his body type, Dexter Fowler. So that would make some sense considering what the Cubs have looked for in the past. 312-644-6767. And you mentioned the fact that it looked like even as recently as within a week ago, it sure seemed like one of the three was probably go. And most people assume that was Bryant because of everything that's happened from the moment that he came up. I mean, really, the tone was kind of sent there, was set there when the Cubs were playing service time games with him. And some say, well, that's the business. Sure, but he's also a person that, you know, sees what's going on, and he's allowed to let that affect him in whatever way that he wants. And we'll see what when Chris Bryant ends up going, because clearly we saw what happened with Rizzo where him and his family went back out on the field. We all saw after the game today where Chris Bryant lingered in the dugout to kind of take it all in and, you know, get a little emotional, which, hey, you know, good for him. Do what you have to do to kind of feel any sort of sense of closure that you can, that you need. But it sure seems like with Rizzo out the door, Bryant sure to be next. And the fact that Baez was in the lineup today sure makes it seem like he's the one that the Cubs feel like they have the most realistic opportunity to get a deal done with. It feels like Baez and Contreras will be here next year. It feels like those two will still be throwing out base runners for the Cubs for at least, you know, at least at the start of April of next year. But it is still shocking, too, that like, Cub fans are still going to have to process Chris Bryant leaving too. Like it feels bad right now, but just wait until tomorrow at five 45 against the nationals. When that Cubs lineup is trotted out there, you might not see Rizzo and Bryant just in Cubs uniform period ever again. It it, it has to be altering as a fan. Like I I can't even comp it to something I think in Chicago history. An eight, four, seven texture says Rick, not one of the core deserves 300 million. I don't know that that's what anybody's asking for. I mean, obviously, you know, Rizzo's a little older. He has the injuries, whatever. Like, he he would never be asking for that. I don't even, I don't know what those offers would look like this offseason for Bryant, for Baez. But the thing is, like, it, all of this just feels avoidable. It really does in terms of teams being, and this is not just the Cubs, mind you. This is a lot of teams being petrified of the competitive balance tax paying 20%, 20% tax when, you know, the NBA draft is going on. And I know it's not a one for one comparison, but teams are willing to pay the tax in the NBA. I believe in the last like 20 years, there's only one or two instances where the team that won the title was not paying the luxury tax. And the luxury tax is infinitely more punitive in the NBA than it is in major league baseball. I want to say it starts at about 50, I believe it starts around 75% for a first time in the tax. And then it just goes up and up and up from there. If you want to look at something crazy, go look up Golden State Warriors tax bill. And it's some numbers that will absolutely blow your mind. So, you know, from my perspective, obviously not a Cubs fan, but not a Cubs hater or anything, just, you know, kind of appreciating what they've done. It feels like there was an opportunity to keep more of this together instead of, not necessarily going full teardown because the Cubs aren't doing that. Then everybody would be going, but you know, modified teardown and how this thing has fallen. 
It's just that this is one of those days where you definitely reflect on all of it, good and bad. And just to get some breaking news in here before we go, uh, John Heyman, Odyssey Insider, reports that Max Scherzer has approved the deal that would send him and Trey Turner to the Dodgers. So it looks like Trey Turner and Max Scherzer will become Dodgers before the trade deadline. And how about that, where earlier in the day it looked like Scherzer was going to the division rival Padres, and now him and Trey Turner end up going to the Dodgers. That is, that's incredible. And when you look at how tight the NL West could be, I mean, it's rare you could say that one deal completely swings a division. And the Dodgers are obviously clear favorites regardless, even you know where the standings are right now. But still, that is that is such a huge swing. In the NL West, the Giants are currently in first place, which a lot of people still forget. Dodgers three back, the Padres six back. So the NL West is going to be a blast to watch the rest of this season. All right, we're going to take time out, come back, get you caught up on everything happening in the NBA draft. There's a piece of audio that I do want you to hear about the Bulls in general in terms of the pressure to win for them. And I think that kind of helps set the tone for tonight. And it also sets the tone for this entire offseason and really the future of this team. I think it's really fascinating. I'm Rick Camp. I'm here with you till 10 o'clock on The Score.